you know, and I wanted to be like, Mr. President, even though you're not the president anymore. <laughs> I just wanted to like shake his hand and be like, you know, because of you and Michelle, like I am and I feel as though I can be anything that I want to be or whatever. He was like, oh, Maria, it's so nice to meet you. You know, me and Michelle, we watch Get Up. We love you on that. Like, you should just be a regular, be on all the time. And I'm like, oh, my God, they watch TV. Welcome to the Sports Business Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Berger. You can find the Sports Business Radio Podcast 15 years, over 600 episodes featuring conversations with the biggest names in sports like David Stern, Pete Carroll, Chris Everett, Jeannie Buss, Michael Vick, Andre Iguodala, Mark Cuban, Tom Rinaldi, Charles Barkley, Jack Nicholas, Lindsey Vaughn, Eric Spolstra, Aaron Rodgers, and Steve Nash on iTunes or at sportsbusinessradio.com. Subscribe, rate, and review the Sports Business Radio podcast on iTunes, and everyone who posts a review on iTunes will be eligible to be selected to join us in our studio audience at one of our Sports Business Radio roadshows presented by Boingo. And we're also on Spotify now, so you can find us there. Follow us in between podcasts on Twitter at SB Radio. We've been named a top 50 follow by Forbes.com for three consecutive years, and on Instagram at Sports Business Radio. Joining us on this week's edition of Sports Business Radio, Maria Taylor. She's really one of the most versatile reporters that ESPN has. I just love the fact that she could be in studio and hold her own with Jalen Rose and Jay Williams and Woj and everyone on NBA Countdown. But then also, you know, we saw her last weekend after Oklahoma's big comeback against Baylor. She's the one interviewing Jalen Hurts, the quarterback for Oklahoma, after the game. Really versatile. And we'll talk about that versatility and how she's risen quickly through the ranks of ESPN. Probably not quickly to her, but to the outsider, it looks like her star is on the rise, and I think it is. I'm joined in studio by executive producer Brian Griggs. Griggs, how's it going? Great. That's a, she was awesome. Great interview. You guys are going to enjoy this because she's just so personable and down to earth yeah. and, and it shows on TV. She's just a great, she's loose. She's just, you know, talking. She's just talking to people. And I love that. So lots of cool insight about her history and some of her dreams and stuff too. And Griggs, we're here in Portland and one Carmelo Anthony has been signed by the Portland Trailblazers. Melo was out for, I think, 317 days. Yeah. Uh, he's one of the NBA's all-time leading scorers. It's going to be interesting to watch his return to the NBA. He's a Jordan brand guy. He's a star. He has millions of followers on social media. And there has been talk for a long time about him joining the Blazers. He's close with Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. But overall, I'm happy he gets a chance to return to the NBA and hopefully retire on his own terms versus going out you know, if he never got a chance again, it wasn't the way for someone of his Hall of Fame caliber to go out. Yeah, I mean, I'm a Portland born and, you know, been here all my life, so I'm excited to see Carmelo on the court again. And, uh, you know, he's just like you said, he's a star. He's, uh, we'll see with he, how he can, 317 days off the court. We'll yeah. see how ready he is, but I think it's going to be fun to see him. I was actually building some promos today for my day job and fun going back through old clips of Carmelo winning games in New York, and, uh, I'm excited. I mean, people forget he is one of the elite scorers in NBA history. And sure, he's, what, 35, 36 years old now. So he's not the same player. But look, when you're the Trailblazers and you have a lot of injuries and you just need a guy who can get buckets, I I think he can still get buckets. I'm not sure he can play defense. But uh, overall, I think the brand of the NBA is better with Carmelo Anthony back on the court. I think it helps the Blazers brand. And we'll see what it does to their on-the-court 
product. All right, coming up next, Maria Taylor, someone I've wanted to interview for quite some time now. She's got a great story, was an elite athlete at the University of Georgia. Now she's one of ESPN's fastest rising broadcasters. She's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. When it comes to stadiums and arenas, every sports pro knows wireless wins. And when it comes to the best wireless technology for your venue, look no further than Boingo Wireless. Boingo is the largest operator of indoor wireless networks in the U.S., providing state-of-the-art Wi-Fi and cellular services that power amazing fan experiences. And Boingo makes keeping your stadium connected easy today and in the future. Thinking about 5G? Boingo's expert team helps you carry the ball through a complex technology landscape to deliver wireless solutions that will delight fans and deepen loyalty season after season. Here's another kicker. Boingo is simply the best connected experience for your business. With Boingo, stadiums and arenas enjoy unique operating efficiencies, revenue opportunities, and digital insights into their fan base. That's a win-win. Boingo works with major league sports venues like Soldier Field, Vivint Smart Home Arena, State Farm Arena, and university stadiums like University of Louisville and K-State. Our thanks to Boingo for their continued support of Sports Business Radio. We're excited to showcase how technology is changing the business of sports. If you would like more information on Boingo Wireless, visit boingo.com or email sports at boingo.com. Joining me now on the Blinder Guest Line, Maria Taylor. She's one of ESPN's most versatile reporters. She's the studio host for ESPN's NBA Countdown and College Game Day. She's also a sideline reporter for ESPN's college football and basketball coverage. Follow her on Twitter at Maria Taylor. Maria, thanks for joining us on Sports Business Radio. How are you? I'm good, Brian. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, no problem. I've wanted to have you on for a while now. I, I really marvel at your versatility. I see you on NBA Countdown, College Game Day in studio, but then I also see you working the sidelines at college football games, college basketball games. It's a totally different skill set to be in studio versus on the sidelines. Where did you get this versatility? <laughs> Well, it's funny. When I first started out, I always said that I wanted to be a, a well-rounded broadcaster the same way that you always have like a well-rounded volleyball or basketball player where you, you're not defined by just one aspect of your game. Because I wanted my company to essentially feel comfortable saying, all right, if we have a game or we've got the draft going on or whatever it may be, like Maria will be comfortable in that scenario. And um, so from the beginning, that was a big focus of mine. And I will say that working at SEC Network was like the biggest blessing ever being a part of a network that was 24 hours and we needed reporters, we needed people to host SEC Nows after baseball games, we needed someone to travel to Baton Rouge and host a softball tournament and doing things that I really wasn't comfortable with early in my career helped me in the long run and I think too, doing live events kind of makes you better in the studio because you never know what to expect, you don't know if there's going to be weather, you don't know who's going to win, you don't know if OU is going to come back from being up 25 <laughs> or down 25 to win a game, which just happened to me this weekend. So, you know, there's always something interesting happening in live event that helps me become a better studio host. So did you communicate to ESPN, hey, look, I want to do anything and everything, I want to be that versatile reporter, or did they just observe that on their own and go, wow, she can do a lot of different things, we're going to give her several different things to do? I think it took me a while to find an ability to kind of vocalize really what I wanted. I think I knew in my mind, um, but I remember having a conversation with John, John Wildhack, and now he's the AD at Syracuse, but it was a time when my contract was coming up, and 
I told him, I was like, I want you guys to look at me and say, okay, if she needed to, we could have her host college game day, but we also feel that she's a very competent reporter, you know, or we know that she could host the women's final four. So whatever that looks like, that's what I told him at the time, like whatever I need to be doing, that's what I want to be working towards. Those are the roles that I want to be taking on. And he was the first one that was like, okay, like let's put this into action. And that following year I was hosting SEC nation and he was like, okay, we're going to put you on the prime men's basketball game this year and you're going to host the women's final four and you're going to start getting some of those reps that you're talking about. Like, we're going to put you in those situations so that if something like that did come up, you would be ready for it. So I think that was the first conversation I had, which would have been um, probably right after I had inked my SEC network deal. So a couple of years after, maybe 2016-ish, that I had that conversation and it's kind of just been growing from there. I want to get into a little bit of the nitty gritty about your job. So when you're doing NBA countdown and you've got Jalen Rose and Jay Williams and, you know, others in the studio with you, when you're a studio host, you've got a, it's fast moving. You've got highlights. You've got to work your teammates into the conversation a little bit versus being a sideline reporter where you've got a finite amount of time to ask a question, get it answered. Let's start with the studio role. How do you kind of play point guard to make sure everyone's involved on that set? Mm-hmm. I think it's very similar in the studio as it is on the sideline where it's like, it's not really about you. Like it's all about the person that you're covering. And so for me, when I'm in the studio, like you kind of mentioned, like it's about the analyst, like trying to get to whatever point it is that they want to make. So whether that's knowing which direction they want to go in and, you know, listening in on their conference calls when they're talking to our producers so I can understand, okay, what are they really hot on or, how Jay will has art, you know, saw some of Carmelo's workouts over the summer or, you know, the fact that Jalen, he's been in a similar situation where, you know, when your career's coming to an end and how that feels to be traded to a different team, like understanding where my guys want to go makes it easier to play point guard. So that's the same as like understanding the strengths and weaknesses of the people on your team. That's how you give them the ball and set them up for success. Um, so that's been something fun. Like I think, it grows. The chemistry is obviously going to grow the more times you work with each other. And so we've probably done, I want to say, four countdowns at this point, um, maybe one more set of half times. And so, you know, we're working through that. Like, we're learning how to read each other. We're learning um, when, okay, yeah, there's a joke here, or you don't have to be teed up again, and the guys can just go banter back and forth. So that's kind of been fun to watch it evolve because that's the beginning of every show or any, you know, new project that you're working on, like those initial working through the chemistry kinks and figuring out how to work best with each other. And I enjoy that. Like, I love these moments and being able to work with guys like Jay Will, Jalen, Paul, RJ, Woj, you know, like we're having so much fun in the studio getting to know each other. And then the sideline stuff. So again, you know, and I've had Tom Rinaldi on this show before and, you know, he's, shared with us like when you're doing the sideline you know you're a trying to ask questions within a finite amount of time but b you're kind of the envoy as he put it to the audience you're trying to ask the question sometimes it's an obvious question sometimes it's not but it's a question that the audience wants you to ask what's your prep for sideline reporting and asking those questions during the points of the game where they come to you yeah, I think a lot of the times you're really just paying attention to the game and you, like Tom said, like we are as much a voyeur as the viewer at home is in trying to decipher, okay, what is the most important thing that's happening right now? What's the biggest question that's going to be on the minds of the viewers that are sitting at home? 
a lot of times, even just listening, I mean, we have a IFB and so I can hear our broadcast the entire time. So if, if Herbie keeps asking, like, gosh, I wonder why the D-line just like can't figure this one play out, then that might be the question that I'm asking coach at halftime. Or that's what I'm trying to figure out when I'm going and watching the defensive line huddle and seeing if the guys are talking about that or if coaches are pointing something out or drawing up something new or talking through communication. Because that's what my job is as kind of the ears and the eyes on the field. I have the access that no one else basically on our broadcast or no fan at home has in that particular moment. And I can speak to and answer some of the questions that no one else could answer at that time. I watched you uh, last weekend on that incredible Oklahoma-Baylor game where Oklahoma came back. That must have been a fun game to work. Go backwards and, again, take us behind the scenes. When do you find out that you're assigned to that game? And then what's your preparation look like from the time you're assigned until you get to that game? Sure. We usually find out what game that we're working on on Sunday. Every now and then we'll find out Saturday night during as we're literally working the game. So, you know, you're booking travel on a Monday, Tuesday, and I'm hitting up the sports information department of each school uh, usually on Monday and setting up calls. Like even this evening, I'm talking to Oregon, and it'll be, you know, 7.45 Pacific time, but it'll be 10.45 Eastern. And I'll be talking to, you know, Justin Herbert or Jawan Johnson, and you're talking to players about whether it's how they've improved, where the team is now, um, certain things that have been going on, if they're coming off of a loss, okay, what are you guys working on, what you learned from that. So that's the first thing that you have to do is just gaining access to the players so that if something comes up in the game that you could add to it or there's a player that's coming off the injury that's a critical piece to a defense, like you want to know how it affects them. Can they not move laterally? Has it messed up their speed or quickness or whatever that looks like? Sometimes you're talking to um, coaches leading up to it. I was just actually sending one of my producers a story that I did on J.K. Dobbins about his strength training and how he kind of has changed his body going into this year for Ohio State because Herbie's working on a piece with him. But those are the things that you're kind of building up during your week of preparation. And a lot of times you're supposed to get on campus on Thursday, so you get to go and have meetings with the coaches and players. But since I'm doing Countdown, I'm in the studio Friday night, so I just fly in. So I do a lot of my um, prep remote, which is talking to the coaches and players on the phone. One of the things I've noticed about you, and correct me if I'm wrong, you know, you're, you're six two, you played basketball and volleyball at University of Georgia, whether you're on set on NBA countdown with former NBA players or whether you're interviewing a college football player, there seems to be a street cred that exists with you. I see how they look at you and how they respect you. And it's kind of like athletes respect athletes. Do you feel that when you are talking to athletes and coaches, whether, again, it's on set or at a game, that there's a little bit of that camaraderie there because you played as an elite athlete? I, I do honestly feel that. I mean, like one of the probably the greatest blessings I have is that my dad was six seven. Like being able to walk into a room and the first question that some people are going to ask you is like, "Well, what did you play?" Like, right, six two. Obviously, you did something, right? You know, or like I've had receivers walk in. Um, I remember when I was covering like Jarvis Landry. He's like, "Your hands are bigger than mine." I was like, "I know, right?" Like I could have been a receiver, and so that just, you know breaks the ice, right? <laughs> and you can build a conversation from there, and you can kind of like, "Oh yeah, you know, I played," and I remember, you know, how this felt, how coming back from that injury was, and being able to have a conversation with like, oh, yeah, I know the struggles with dealing with your coach, and it's just easier to get into it. And there's, you know, the understanding, too, that you're not going to burn them. I remember um, 
Jimbo Fisher, we were having a conversation. I was covering the national championship between Alabama and Georgia, and I went to Georgia, and um, I was asking him, I was like, so as a like, would you not want me around your team if you knew my alma mater was Georgia? Like, would you feel like I could give away a trade secret or something? And he said, honestly, no, because you are a former athlete and you know how hard both of these teams have worked to get here. And I know you wouldn't do anything to impede a competitive advantage or, or take something away from a team because both these teams belong to go there no matter whether or not you went to school there. And I was like, yeah, you're so right. Like, that's how I've always described it since then. But it's the reality of it, just like an understanding of the sacrifice that all athletes and coaches are giving up to be great at this one thing or be great at this one moment, you know, I can understand that. Well, and I would imagine it makes for a different conversation than, say, someone like I would have with an athlete. If I was interviewing them in your position, you've played at an elite level. They're going to look at you a certain way. I haven't. So mm-hmm. they're going to under, they know that you're going to understand them in a different way. And ultimately, I think it makes for a better conversation because, you know, you've been on campus. Like you said, you get there a few days early. You build that rapport with the coaches and the players. And by the time you're interviewing Jalen Hurts, for example, after that big mm-hmm. comeback win, now right. you've got a little bit of a rapport built with him. So he's going to open up with you in that moment. Exactly. The walls will come down and he's going to be honest about it. Like, yeah, I made mistakes because I think, too, he's like in that moment, even though he knows obviously he's on TV, but you're talking to another person. So if you're feeling like you're going to be judged by what you say or, you know, that person is um, going to be negative in some way or whatever you might be feeling, then you're going to shut down some. That's just the reality of how anyone would be in that situation. It's just about making, having the trust already built where that person just feels comfortable talking to you. If you're going to be the face that they're speaking to, Mm -hmm. um, they have to be really comfortable in that situation when adrenaline's rushing or, you know, in fact, he didn't play well, even though they came back and he was still kind of feeling bad. He's feeling great because they won, but he's like, I fumbled on the goal line. You know what I mean? Right. And then he can be open and have that conversation with you because he doesn't feel like he needs to clam up. He trusts you. Right. All right, I need a backstory on something. On your Twitter mm-hmm. feed, your pinned tweet is a picture of you <laughs> and President Obama from yes. the North Carolina Duke game from last year mm-hmm. with the caption, my life has been made. And look, <laughs> anyone who meets President Obama gets their picture taken with him. That's got to be an incredible moment. But here's my question to you. Yes. You got to interview him during the game. Mm-hmm. Walk me through how that happens. Is it you just walking up to him before the game and saying, hey, President Obama, I want to interview you at some point during the game. Do you have to go through like Secret Service and Obama PR? Like, how does that moment happen? Well, number one, I feel like there's Secret Service everywhere inside the arena and they're just like dressed as regular people because you literally don't know. Like, it's not like anyone's in suits there, but you know for a fact, like, okay, obviously there's six people probably surrounding him that are the Secret Service. Right. And um, it's funny because we knew that day, like, there's a big chance he's definitely probably going to be there. Like, they've already done their sweep of the arena. Like, he's going to come. And I spent my entire day, like, prepping myself. Like, okay, this is exactly what I'm going to say when I meet him. And I'm going to be like, you know, and I wanted to be like, Mr. President, even though you're not the president anymore. (laughs) I just wanted to, like, shake his hand and be like, you know, because of you and Michelle, like, I am and I feel as though I can be anything that I want to be or whatever. Wow. And then I meet him and I'm just like, hey. You know, right. You have to you have to not be overwhelmed. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was like the first time I've been shocked and awed and didn't know what to say. But he was like, oh, Maria, it's so nice to meet you. You know, me and Michelle, we watched Get Up. We love you on that. Like, 
you should just be a regular, be on all the time. And I'm like, oh my God, they watch TV. Like, that's like the first thing that comes to my mind. <laughs> and I just thought it was so interesting that he was like, yeah, like, and how tall are you? He's asking me questions. I'm like, you know, I didn't run the free world, you know, that was not my job. And he wants to know what sport I played or, oh, we knew you were tall, you know? Right. <laughs> I just thought it was so incredible. But I heard that that's kind of what he does. He makes everyone feel super comfortable. So, no, 100% approachable because he was sitting right on the sideline or on the end line. Wow. I walked up. No one got in the way. No one stopped me. In fact, I got stopped going up to LeBron at the Virginia Tech um, or UVA Duke game. I feel like I was more stopped going up to him than I was going up to <laughs> Barack. Like, LeBron, I'd be like, no, she's fine. It's okay. <laughs> I had three people stop me. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. But what a great mm-hmm. moment and how nice it is that he took a picture with you. And I mean, that's a moment I would imagine that you'll remember your entire career. Yeah, I was like, I'm pretty sure there's nothing else I can do in the world of um, sports. So I think <laughs> everything else is just icing on the cake at this point. The fact that I got to meet Barack Obama because I was covering a game. And during that game, Zion Williamson blew a shoe out. And right. That was a huge was, game. Know, like anything. It was like the strangest day of sports. But the coolest thing to be a part of. No, it's wonderful. I want to talk about some of the uh, other things that you do. You're an incredible mentor to people who want to shadow you. You had uh, one of the star Baylor women's Mm -hmm. basketball team members shadow you at the Baylor-Oklahoma game last weekend. You know, I've heard from various people at ESPN, you're really good about kind of paying it forward and letting people shadow you what advice do you give to people when they're following you around you know i always one i make sure that they're getting the full experience of if i really were to take on this role or if this is something that i really want to do what would that be like so i give them an isp so they can hear the producer so that they can hear the broadcast i introduce them to anyone that i'm in contact with so meet the audio guy meet uh, my producer meet herbie meet chris have a conversation with them so that you can find out what everyone else is doing um, and then I tell them to feel free to ask me questions. Like, if you want to know what I'm doing, and I tell them, okay, now we're going over. The reason we're going to listen to the defensive huddle is because of this. Or the reason we need to go to the other side is because there's an injury report we need. Or now we need to go to talk to Lincoln Riley about this as he comes back out after halftime. And I just want to give them an honest look into what it's like to work in broadcasting. Because I think a lot of times people say that they're interested in it, but they don't really know what they want to do. And I want them to know that it's not just the people that are on TV that are, you know, that are an option for a job, but there's, there's a career here that involves people in the truck and anywhere. And I just think it's so important to open up those doors specifically. I mean, my heart always pulls for the student athlete because we tend to have a really hard time when you're trying to transition out of your sport and figure out what you want to do next. And I think it's cool that I have an opportunity to be on campuses and give student athletes an opportunity to think about their career after sports. You know, even though in Dee Richards, she's only going to be a junior. She won two more nationals, but she'll have had this one game or this one moment where she got to think about, okay, what do I want to do next? Like, what am I inspired by or what do I want to work towards? And I think that's what it's all about. When did that light go on for you when you were at University of Georgia saying, hey, maybe broadcasting is a path that I want to take? We used to always have our volleyball matches. You probably have like three matches on TV that, you know, back in the day, now every single match is on SEC Network. And as, like the kids are so used to just being on TV. That was like a treat for us. And so I remember you would get a chance to talk to the analysts that were there. And I remember, I don't even know when it happened, but it was just like, if that, that's a job. 
Like, I could just go to games and talk to players and then talk about them as they play. Like, I want to do that. That sounds like fun. <laughs> and, um, you know, I changed my major three times. I was first going to do, uh, I wanted to be a doctor because I wanted to stay around teams and be a team doctor in some way. Then I changed it to business because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And then I changed it to journalism because my best friend was basically in journalism. And she always knew she wanted to be a local news broadcaster. And now she, like, designs websites. But I went to class with her and was like, oh, journalism's really cool. And then added on to that that, okay, a part of the journalism school is you're learning how to be on TV. And I could be doing what those analysts were doing. So that's literally how I decided, I guess, that that's what I wanted to do. And I always told myself like I would have been the happiest person on earth to just be covering volleyball and women's basketball and like being at the volleyball national championship and eventually making it to the women's basketball final four and covering it. Like those are my dreams. You know, I never envisioned this football aspect of it. I never was like, Oh yeah, working in the NBA, that was going to be the dream. It was just like, no, I just want to cover the sports that I played at the highest level, you know? Now it's amazing. Your your rise has been super impressive and you know like I said I can see the respect that your peers have for you A because you put in the work and the preparation. Who were some of your inspirations or role models? I read a story that Robin Roberts was someone who once gave you some really good advice, but who were some of the people that inspired you in the broadcasting realm? Yes, I mean definitely Robin Roberts because there was a time when like she was basically the only black female doing sports. If you wanted to find someone, I mean, it was her, Pam Oliver. Um, and that was about it for a while that I was like, I can actually see myself as a broadcaster in them. And I just remember Robin taking the time out of a day. I, literally, she had like just gotten off GMA and she promised my former um, Georgia basketball head coach that she would call me. And she sure did. And she spoke to me for 20, 30 minutes. And I just remember the way that she made me feel, and I was like, okay, I got to, like, pass this feeling on to the next kid that needs help or wants advice. But I think the way that she handles herself, like, with so much grace, it doesn't matter if she's interviewing Dolly Parton or an author or, you know, Taylor Swift. She is the same person. She never changes. She's super genuine, and just like you're in the living room with her. And I think that there's something unique about someone who can just be themselves on TV. I mean, that's what I kind of strive for. Yeah, no, definitely. You want the person to be authentic. The same person Mm -hmm. you see in the media, you want them to be that person when you meet them instead of someone totally different. So you've got your Winning Edge Leadership Academy. And, you know, again, you're you're paying it forward. You're making a difference in the lives of many people. Tell our audience about that. Sure. Um, Winning Edge Leadership Academy is something that uh, myself and our co-founder, Kareen Million, started um, in 2015, and it's basically geared towards helping women and minorities work in the sports industry. So we provide um, mentors, professional development. We would, if there's a kid that wanted to have an internship but didn't quite have the money to pay for, you know, flying out there or going on the interview, we'll pay for that. Or if there's an application fee for graduate school, you know, just trying to break down some of those barriers to entry for minorities and women and also create a support system and a network for them to rely on when they get into the sports field. Because honestly, retention is another thing that you have to be concerned with. But we have had two successful retreats, one in Miami. We actually worked with the University of Miami. And then we just had one in Atlanta this past year. And we worked with Turner, um, the Braves, Jackson Spaulding, and 
basically we just bring in 16 student athletes and we just pour into them for four days and we call it our cohort and literally the kids graduate and we have alumni now. So that's amazing. We're following them up and we're just trying to make sure that, you know, even if they decide they don't want to work in sports, we just want them to be successful in whatever they choose just off the field of play, you know? We're going to have the Maria Taylor success tree to follow pretty yeah. soon. Yeah, <laughs> like a coaching tree. That's right. <laughs> well, and then you do a sports and entertainment summit too, right? Yes. So we just did that in Beverly Hills, and we um, worked with WME William Morris Endeavor. That's my uh, the agency that I work with. And so we brought in kids for two days, same thing, student athletes, and we literally we were planted – at WME and Beverly Hills, and we had agents coming in to talk to them. Brad Slater, who worked with like The Rock and everyone else, and then we got um, people to come in from the Undefeated. We had people coming in from LeBron's production company. We really wanted the kids to see that, like, okay, you could work in entertainment, and you don't necessarily have to be an actor. You could be the agent that books them, or you can be. You can work on the side that's developing these shows or these documentaries or you're a writer or you're the guy that goes out and shoots it. So we just want them to see that there's a big world behind the scenes, behind those curtains, and and let them know that there's plenty of ways for them to fill in. Now it's amazing. Hey, a few more minutes and then I know I need to let you go. Uh, Your use of social media, I think you use it really well. You know, it seems like in this day and age as a reporter or a media personality, it, it's part of your job. It's not optional anymore. But what you do is is fun and engaging, and, and I feel like there's a little bit of behind the scenes, too. Talk to me about your use of social media. Sure. Yeah, that's what I love about it. My Probably my favorite part of social media or the thing to use would probably be Instagram stories because – those are, you know, an opportunity to videotape just, okay, yeah, it's pouring down rain in Michigan, and so here's what the players are doing literally right now, or here's what it looks like right before we go on air on Get Up, or this is what we were laughing about in the green room right beforehand. And it just is another opportunity to, again, take the viewer or anyone that's sitting at home, or heck, my mom, give them the opportunity to see, like, oh, okay, like, this is what your day was looking like. So it was just almost a video diary, so I love you know, those opportunities and the same thing, a little less on Twitter. Like I feel like Twitter's a little bit more of an information gathering type of situation. But if I could say there's one thing I'd love to do in the future is like, it would definitely be documentaries. And I feel like I'm just like documenting my day, like mini videos leading up to the game or during the game, et cetera. What kind of documentary would you want to do? You know, I've always envisioned one um, <laughs> revolving around Michael Vick and like, the rise of trap or rap in Atlanta. And then I had this huge vision of like Vic standing on top of the destroyed Georgia dome, which they still haven't cleaned up in the center of Atlanta. (laughs) Really? (laughs) And being like, he built it and then it crashed down. You know what I mean? But you know, everything that goes into like the social or economic growth that we've seen in Atlanta since the time that he was there and like how the music scene grew at the same time that that was all going down. You know what I mean? It almost was like a culture was being built when the Dirty Birds and Michael Vick were happening. Yeah, he's been on this show. What a story he has. I have an event called Sports PR Summit and he came mm-hmm. and, and was on stage at that. And, you know, one of the things I find so impressive about him is the fact that he's willing to own the mistakes he made of the past. There's not a lot of athletes out there. I won't name them, but 
who who would own <laughs> their mistakes true. in the way that he did, and and I really pull for him with his second chance because you know he realizes what he did, and and he's tried to be a better person going forward. But I forget, you know, you're from Atlanta, so you've seen that mm-hmm. whole story up oh, close yeah. and personal, and how it impacted the city. Mm-hmm. I'm an Atlanta girl through and through, and. And Atlanta's very diverse, too. Like, I think that the community loved the fact that there was a black quarterback. Like, I just feel like there's only certain places that he could have been the superstar that he was. Like, hmm. the, the changing of the culture, the leader of a culture in that time period. And it was Atlanta. Like, he was right where he needed to be in that moment in time. Last question for you. If I said, all right, Maria, you can go cover any event you want in sports or, or entertainment. I'm going to even throw that out there. Okay. What is it that you want to go cover? The first thing that comes to mind is um, gymnastics in the Olympics. Really? Because, yeah, one, again, went to Georgia, and we won four national championships while I was in school. And I've just always been obsessed with gymnastics, probably because I just know I could never do it. And it just takes such a specific type of athlete and dedication to do it. So I'm always like glued. I love it. I love gymnastics. Well, and And, Simone uh, Biles is just incredible. I mean, exactly. If I could cover Simone Biles, that would be even better. So and just covering the Olympics in general, like it doesn't matter what sport it is, just to be like, oh, yeah, cover the Olympics. That was pretty cool, you know? And you've and, already you've already gotten to interview President Obama. So is there anyone else right? other than President Obama mm-hmm. and Simone Biles that's on your list of, of you know? And again, it could be anyone. Doesn't have to be sports sure. related. Someone you want to sit down with and have a conversation with. Serena is up there. Hmm. Serena Williams is on there. Um, just a regular, any everyday person. Honestly, like. If I could sit down with a, a group of people, it would be like the first WNBA stars. I keep saying that, but think of like Teresa Weatherspoon, yep. like the Dawn Staley, Cynthia Cooper. Like get a group of them together and like whoever was the first wave, because I just think that that's kind of interesting. And again, I love women's basketball. That's who I grew up. Like I wore Charles swoop shoes. Like that was the first time, maybe the only time that we had a women's basketball shoe and it was hers. And, like, to be in the middle of that, that's probably another documentary I would love to have. But, like, a roundtable discussion about, like, the female athlete and where it's going or where it's been. But I feel like it was kind of the height of the times when they came out, which was cool. See, I feel like that's a 30 for 30. Can you go pitch that? I mean, look, you've got you know some what? clout now. Can you go Maybe pitch that? I, I want to see it. You could be like, um, you're going to have to be a part of it now. Oh, I'm all in. I've met Cynthia Cooper. I've met Cheryl Swoops. Mm -hmm. I've actually, uh, way back in the day when she was still at Mm -hmm. UConn, I played pickup with Diana Taurasi. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, they are incredible. But you're right. Going way back to the beginning of the WNBA and those kind of founders of it, that would be really interesting to me. And I, hey. I'm in. Anything that you're doing or anything having to do. (laughs) See, my listeners know I have a 14-year-old daughter, so I'm all in on women's sports (laughs) and anything that has to do with uh, promoting women. I I love it. But I think that would be interesting because I've never seen a documentary on the early days of the WNBA. I know. And it was, I mean, they were like selling out arenas and stuff. Like it was a big deal. The Comets back in the day. Oh man, you go to Houston, the Comets were every bit as big as the Rockets and they were winning championships like every year. Mm -hmm. We could probably get some vintage Comets jerseys going and they would sell out instantly. 
I like w- retro retro comic jerseys. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Maria Taylor from ESPN. Follow her on Twitter at Maria Taylor. Thank you so much for taking the time. I, I'm really happy for your success. Uh, I think you're doing a great job. Your preparation shows too. You know, I think that's a big part of, of your success. And, um, you know, I can tell you're really good at building rapport with people. And I just uh, am happy for your success. So I appreciate you taking the time to join me. Oh, thanks, Brian. I appreciate it. And your preparation shows too. You basically knew everything about me. So <laughs> <talking to> you. <laughs> hey, I had CJ McCollum on a few weeks ago, and CJ uh-huh. said for his podcast, he his exact words were, "I stalk my guests before I have them on." Literally. So you know that's kind of what I do is I make sure that when you come on, you know that I did my homework and that mm-hmm. uh, you feel like this was worth your time. So right. I hope it well, was. Much appreciated. It was, Brian. Thank you. Thank you. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. One word you wouldn't typically associate with a dress shirt is comfort. However, the folks over at Mizzen in Maine are changing this. Their shirts are incredibly comfortable. Mizzen in Maine makes dress shirts for men that fixes everything that's ever been wrong with shirts for so long. Their shirts breathe, stretch, and wick away moisture. It's like athletic wear disguised as a dress shirt, making them great for travel. They've taken the hassle out of looking great through wrinkle resistance and the ability to wash your shirts at home. No more last-minute ironing. No more after-work trips to the dry cleaner. It's a shirt that's worked for thousands of customers, including hundreds of professional athletes like J.J. Watt and Phil Mickelson. Head over to MizzenInMaine.com and use promo code SBR to get $10 off your dress shirt. That's MizzenInMaine.com, code SBR. And make sure to visit MizzenInMaine.com on Black Friday. Everything is 25% off on Black Friday. Visit MizzenAndMain.com. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. Thanks to our friends at Boingo Wireless for powering our Sports Business Radio Roadshow. Follow them online at Boingo.com or on Twitter at Boingo. And we want to remind you all the great places you can get the Sports Business Radio podcast. We're on iTunes. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever you get your podcasts, you can find Sports Business Radio. So download us for on-demand listening. Subscribe, rate, and review us as well. We always appreciate the reviews. Follow me on Twitter in between shows at SB Radio. Follow us on Instagram at Sports Business Radio. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. Bringing you the biggest names in sports business. Without further ado, we all know this gentleman. Let's give David Stern a big round of applause. Let's welcome the president of the NCAA, Mark Emmert. Give him a hand. Let's give a big hand to USC alum and co-owner of the Lakers and president of the Lakers, Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. Thank you so, so much for having me, Brian. It was very, very kind, and I really enjoyed it. Thank you, sir. Sir Charles, how are you? I'm doing good, man. How you doing this morning? Today's guest is Memphis Grizzlies head coach David Fisdale. Good man, Bart. My guest is tennis icon Chris Everett. It was very interesting. You asked great questions, so thank you very much, Brian. Pleased to welcome to the show... 
Kyrie Irving, the number one pick in the 2011 NBA Draft. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm happy to be joined by Pete Carroll, the executive VP of football operations and the head football coach of the Seattle Seahawks. Coach, how are you? Doing good. What's going on? Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio.